We're in a series called Life Struggles, and it's all about how everybody goes through all kinds of things, but Christians want, we want to go through that thing the kingdom way. We talked about marriage, how do you go through marriage struggles the kingdom way, and today I want to talk about down days. Down days. What do you do when you don't feel good about yourself? Uh, what do you do when you feel weak and weary, when you want to give up? Uh, what do you do in down days? Uh, I love my life. I love my wife. I love my family. I love this church. I love my job. But if I'm honest, there have been many, many days over the course of the 16 years I've been in ministry that I have wanted to quit. Most often, it's on Monday, believe it or not. Uh, that's just the down days for pastors. But there have been many times that I feel like, God, I'm just not doing enough, or I'm not doing a good enough job, or I'm not making a difference. And I'm not saying this to empathy or sympathy. I'm just going to be honest. Can okay, we take off the masks and say we all have down days? There are days that I say, I don't want to live up to the pressure of people any longer. I don't want to run a nonprofit that runs on volunteers or donations. I don't want my family to be in the limelight any longer. I don't want to work underneath the board. I just want a job, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, pay my tithes, be a good Christian. And there are days where that wave just comes over me where I feel like, man, I'm just, it would just be easier to give up my calling and go get a secular job. And I'll be honest, that happens a lot. But there is something that has to happen in us in down days that you find a supernatural strength to become and be the person God has called you to be. The man of God, the woman of God, the mom or dad, the, the person as a teacher or an oil field worker, or whatever God has called you to do, a student. How do you get through those down days? Because we all have them. We all have down days. Everyone has them, and sometimes we can just be down for no reason. We don't have to have a reason sometimes to be down. Uh, perhaps maybe you're getting to a season in your life where you're just not happy with yourself or your image. Maybe it's your body or your life stage. I thought I'd be further along in life than I am right now. Or I thought our relationship would be better by now. Maybe it's how people see you. How they're talking about me how is not really how I think about myself. That's not how I see myself, but people interpret how they see you in a wrong way. Maybe it's your marriage, your family. Maybe it's just the pressures of life just weighing you down. The daily grind, the debt. Perhaps you've just come through maybe a physically or mentally challenging season when you're exhausted. Or maybe it's a spiritual battle. And the devil is just on you and attacking your mind with thoughts so you don't even know where they came from. We all have days we feel hollow. And some of us, though, we're very gifted of doing this, smiling through it. Nobody ever knows that you feel like that on the inside. You're just passing by. How are you? I'm doing great. Lord bless you. And we just smile. And no one ever knows you're dealing with these things silently and you're not sure how to navigate through them. Some of us have more down days than others, and they're lower than others. You know that Christians deal with depression too. Can I say that? Christians deal with depression too. Depressions, it's not a sin. It's not just some negative thinking. Uh, you may feel sad or empty one day. You may feel hopeless. You can lose your interest in life. You can feel like nothing gives you any pleasure anymore. You can be fatigued, come to a place in life where you're sleepless or restless. Your appetite changes and your thoughts can be all jumbled up on the inside. And you may think about quitting on life altogether. You know, Charles Spurgeon, I didn't know this until this week. Charles Spurgeon, he's a famed preacher, a preacher of preachers. And here's what he wrote. He said, I of all men am perhaps the subject of the deepest depression at times. Yet there lives not a person who can say much more truthfully than I, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. 
Even men like Charles Spurgeon, I'm encouraged, had down days. How do you go through this day, though, determines whether or not you're going to deal with it or it's going to deal with you. How are you going to deal with down days? How are you going to get delivered from down days? It's not going to be a nice, simple, tidy sermon that you're going to get today. That's not going to get you through it. Because life is fragmented, it's complicated, it's messy, it's full of suffering. And Christians, guess what? You're in a battle against sin. You're in a battle against self. You're in a battle against Satan. And you're in a battle against society. It's not easy to be a Christian. Somebody say amen. And I can't give you a fun, polished sermon that's going to get you through it. But you have to have something very special. And that is strength in the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. This is our verse for today. He gives strength. Somebody say strength. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases, somebody say increases, increases with power. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases in power. There are some times you just need, like Elijah in 1 Kings 19, just to eat and rest and sleep and get through a down day. There are some times in a down day you just need friends to encourage you in the Lord and just to be around you, and you need people to understand what you're going through. But then there are down days where you need a special word and a touch from God. How many people know what I'm talking about? There is something that's happening supernatural in the Christian life that gets you through the worst, darkest days imaginable, and that is a strength in the Lord. So look with me in 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. We're talking about down days. Let me give you the background. David had a lot of down days. Sometimes I wonder if David wasn't bipolar. He had really, really high highs and really, really low lows, and, and that means that he was human like the rest of us. But David, uh, he is in, 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 a, in, a, in an interesting point in his life. He's been told he was going to be king, but it never happened. He actually got exiled from his own country, uh, shut out by his own people, and even his boss don't like him, tried to kill him with a spear. Uh, his marriage is a wreck, and he finds himself out there with a band of rebels, people who nobody wants, rejects on rejects, living in caves, and he's supposed to be the king. But yet, he's an exile. He's an outcast. He's a nobody. Nobody wants to be associated with David any longer. And David finds himself out there with God. God, I know I love you and I worship you, but man, I don't know, what, what are my enemies doing? He, he finds himself in repeated down days. And just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, he and his men, hiding from Saul in Philistine territory, come home in an unseen enemy. Don't you know the enemy just waits to the worst moment? Man, he loves to hit you when you're down. And the enemy comes and he takes advantage when David left his family unguarded. Look with me in 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev, that's the desert, and on Ziklag, and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the woman and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength, note that, no strength left in them to weep. David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, 
Moreover, David was greatly distressed. Note that again. Greatly distressed. Why? Because the people, his buddies, spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered because each one and his sons and his daughters had been taken. But David, here's the verse, but David strengthened himself. Some verses say encouraged. David strengthened himself in what? The Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then what he does? Next few verses, he calls his priest who's with him. He gets the ephod, which is breastplate, and has this urim and thurim, these little two stones. And they begin to call on the Lord. David calls on the Lord. He calls on the Lord and says, God, what should I do? And then here's what God says to him. Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue them all. So David has 600 guys. They have been uh, running for three days to get home, 80 miles. They, they say, God says you can do this. We've got no strength left, David. We have been weeping, and, and we have been uh, uh, totally exhausted. And David's mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. But he sums up strength. They begin to run. They begin to run all the way through till twilight. And then guess what? They come to a flooded brook. It's impassable. It's the rainy season. The flood's there. Who can cross this brook? So David says, I'm going to cross it. And he goes across it. And only 400 men now follow him. 200 say, we can't do it. We've got no strength left. So David now has even less troops to take on this massive enemy. And they run. They can't find him. God sends a slave. They find a slave that's about is dying of thirst in the desert. And he says, I'm actually a slave from the, the guys who raided your family. And he says, well, let me give you some food and water. Tell me where they are. He nurses the man back to health. The man shows up. They take him to where the captives are. They finally get there. It's twilight. The enemy's having a party, thinking they've won. And man, David, you know David. David's a man now. David and his 400 guys whooped up on all those people, killed all of them. It was a, such a massive amount of people that David took with only 400 men. It says that 400 of the remaining amount rode off on camels, That meaning 400 was a small group of what David killed. David not only rescued his family, but his family's family. He rescued the slave uh, who was going to die. And the Bible says that he plundered them so much that he was able to give all the elders of Judea overage of spoil and abundance because of what he'd been taken captive by the enemy. Now, that's a good story, right? That's a good story. How does that relate to you and to me? Number one is sometimes you can feel lost. Sometimes you can feel lost like your life has been in ruins. Anybody ever felt like your life has been in ruins? David found himself in a lost place, in a dark place. He's wondering, hey, I'm an outlaw, I should be a ruling king, but I'm a wandering outlaw. I've been marching for 80 miles home. I've wept until I've got no strength left. And everyone is embittered with me. He's got no strength. You ever get to a place in your life sometimes where you have either wept over things until you have no more tears left. You've worried over things till you're numb on the inside. And there have been seasons in my life where I have done, I've gone through crisis after crisis or been with people in crisis after people with crisis, and I find myself, I'm just numb on the inside. Things don't even affect you any longer. It's easy to get to that place, and David had no mental, emotional strength left. Maybe you lost a friend or a loved one. Maybe you lost a marriage. Or maybe you're dealing with a wayward child. Maybe you found yourself in an unrewarding career, just aren't happy with where you are. Maybe it's a financial hardship that you don't know how you could ever dig yourself out of. 
And in the bitterness, isn't this great when everybody, like, you're trying your best, and then everybody just blames you? <laughs> it's like, okay, just pile it on. Come on. I know I'm trying, but yeah, just whatever. Everybody likes to blame. Somebody's got to be responsible for this situation. So that's what people do. When we find ourselves in a situation we can't control, we start blaming one another, even in marriage. Like, you're going through the same thing together, but then you start fighting one another. Why? Because everybody's got to blame somebody. That's what Adam and Eve did with each other. And then the snake, they're like, I didn't do it. The snake did it, you know. And then it's bitterness to blame. You find yourself in a place. Here's what David could have said. He said, God, I quit. Why am I? I'm just going to go back to my father's house. I'm going to just tend with the sheep. I was better off there. This calling to be king, this calling to be a Christian, it's just not worth it. Things get worse when you become a Christian. And why am I in a desert after all anyway? Why am I suffering? I don't have to put up with this mess. I don't have to do this. I quit this marriage. I quit on these kids. I quit on this job. I quit on these people. I quit on even caring. I'm done. Nobody's ever felt that way, right? There's a couple tips when you're in a place like that. Psychologists will tell you to take care of your body, exercise, eat right, get a better sleep routine, go outside in the sun, you know, get some vitamins on you. Maybe it says take care of your emotions. Maybe you need to set boundaries in those toxic relationships, shut off that voice of negativity, of blame and unmet expectations, find positive people in your life. But no matter what you're doing to deal with it, we all have days and we can't do anything about it when the enemy attacks you unexpectedly. He loves to hit you when you're down, when you're tired, when you're exhausted. He shows no mercy. The Bible says you've got a, a devil who's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He wants to find you at your weakest moment when you're ready to give up. And that's when all those thoughts come in. You're worthless. You're nothing. You can't do this. No one's for you. Everybody hates you. You might as well quit. Give up. Doesn't matter anymore. Who cares? He wants your joy. He wants your family captive. He wants your strength. He wants your calling. He wants your Christianity. He wants you to curse God and die, just like Job's wife told him to do. Curse God and die, because it doesn't matter. Psalms 34, but the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those crushed in spirit. David wrote that. Come on, somebody. But the Lord was near me when I was brokenhearted, and he saved me when I was crushed in spirit. Nobody else was for me, but the Lord was near me. How do you find strength when you feel lost and your life is in ruin? Well, look at the next part, finding strength. How did he find strength? Though he was weakened beyond human ability, David had a secret source of strength. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. How do you do that? That word strengthen. In the Hebrew there has a couple of meanings. It means that David fastened himself in the Lord. It means that he uh, seized courage. One translation says, seized courage in God. He held unto God, or he grew firm in God, or he became stronger in the Lord as God. I have this picture that if you were about to fall and trip, but like this piano here, if I was about to fall and trip, and I seized onto that piano, and I pulled myself up, I seized courage, I held on to this thing, and found strength in myself by holding on to something greater, harder, bigger than, stronger than I am. It's pulling yourself up by something that you are about to fall, but you grabbed hold. David, it says he seized hold of something that was stronger than himself. He found himself growing in a strength that was not his strength. As he began to crumble and slide off, he grabbed hold of something. That's literally what it means, to grab hold of something and seize it and pull yourself up and get stronger and in a better position for it. 
David seized God. David grabbed hold. Have you ever had to get hold of God before in a prayer time? He grabbed hold of God, and he pulled himself up on God. He seized hold of God. Man, I wish we would seize hold of God today. Let me give you three things that David did in that moment. His number one is he hoped in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And there's two words here I want you to get because it says, in the Lord, who's God? His God. In the Lord his God. The first part, the Yahweh part, that is the, the personal name of God. That's literally what that says in the Hebrew. The Lord, uh, we would say Jehovah, but really the real word there is Yahweh. That's the personal name of God. And it says, who's God? His God. It wasn't somebody else's God. It wasn't just the God. It was the Lord, his God. David knew God. He had a personal relationship with him. Otherwise, he couldn't have strengthened himself in the Lord. It wasn't that I was just crying out to Lord, Lord, I've been so far away from you. But he said, I found something because I know you. It was God, my God. Not God, Miss Evelyn's God. Not God, Brother Ron's God. Not God, Todd's God. God, my God. I know this guy, and I have been with me. He's been with me every step of the way. You see, David could have lost everything, but he knew he didn't lose his God. That was good. He could have lost everything. I lost my wife, my kids, my car, my house, my job, my reputation. I feel like losing on life, but I know I didn't lose my God. My God. It's got to be your God. Is he yours? He could be mine, but that's not going to help you. He's got to be your God, right? The next verse that says, the Lord his God, the word God there is Elohim, and it means the mightiest God, the God above all gods. It's the El is highest, the highest God of gods, the most powerful being in all of creation. He says, I found strength. I seized courage. I pulled myself up. I encouraged myself. I grabbed hold of something. It was God, my God, and he's the most mightiest God there ever was, and his strength became my strength because he's the mightiest God, and he's my God. So I seized him, and I said, you are the Lord, my God, and I'm going to grab hold of what I have in you. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord some praise. You say, well, pastor, you don't know how big my problem is. No, I don't. But how big is your God? How big is your God? Have you made God bigger than your debt, than your depression, than the people's opinions about you? Is God bigger than this economy? Is he bigger than your health scare? Is he bigger than that problem in your life? Can he do something impossible in your situation? You've got to get to a place to say, I have put my God above everything. He is a God above all things, and everything bows at his feet. He's the God that makes the heavens and the earth. He's the God that demons tremble. He's the God that mountains melt like wax before the presence of the Lord. He's the God that no all of heaven can't cease to cry, holy, holy, holy. And that God, he's my God. He's my God. David hoped in the Lord. Number two, David remembered all the Lord had done. No doubt, like that moment he faced Goliath, he remembered the lion and the bear. And now he could look back and remember the giant. The giant's been dead for years now. He could remember, I did the lion, I did the bear. Man, I've been with the giant. God had always been with me. And like Romans 8, 28, like you and me, we're Christians. He says, I know Samuel anointed me for a purpose. God has a calling on my life. And God's not done with that calling yet. And if God said it, he's not going to forget it. Because God is God and he never tells a lie. And if God said I'm going to be king, I don't care what's facing me right now. I know God has a plan for my life. And when Paul says the same thing to you, he says, you have been called according to his purpose. You are saints of God, Paul says, by calling. You are holy ones, elected of God, chosen for a special privilege on the earth to proclaim to the nations how awesome God is, 
how He calls you out of here, and He's taking you to there. God has not forsaken you. He's taken you to a promised land. Just know there's a wilderness between us and there. He's with you. He's for you. He's not against you. David could write later, Psalms 18, I love you, O Lord. Guess what? My strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, my horn of salvation, my stronghold. And when I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, I am sometimes saved from my enemies. No, he says, I am saved, as in always saved from my enemies, because my God is my strength. David remembered how God was his strength. You know, sometimes in this life, uh, there's some tips here. You need to find a journal. Christians should have a journal or a moment where you write down things that God has done for you. Sometimes we forget. We can remember all the negative things that happened to us. One of the tips on fighting through down days is take a journal and every day write a blessing that you're thankful for or something good that happened that day. Because that way you can look back in your week or your months and say, God was faithful here. God was faithful here. God was faithful here. And you have a stone of remembrance. Make an altar of remembrance to the Lord. You can look back and say, God has been faithful. And this day seems cloudy, like it's always been dark. But if you can take that journal and take that memory and say, God, faithful here. God was faithful here. You can say, God has never left me. He's right here with me even in the dark times. Number two, you can stop negative speech with positive speech. Amen, Miss Evelyn. Stop negative speech with positive. Start getting a, there's a thing called a Bible promise book. If you don't know scripture, buy you a Bible promise book. Put you some quotes of scripture on the refrigerator in your car. And if you've just been overwhelmed with negative things, just when that negative thought comes in, just start quoting Bible verses. Just start quoting that God is going to do something in your life. Just begin to profess the things that God is, because you can't think a negative thing while you're speaking a positive thing. Just begin, it's not name it, claim it, it's the Word of God. Just speak what God has already said. Say, this is more true than how I feel and how I think. This is God's Word. David remembered, God was with me. God has always been with me. And this is what he says. Number three, David waited on the Lord. He waited on the Lord. He didn't go get a council of men. He didn't try to muster up a creative plan. He didn't call a board meeting. He didn't just come with some five-step strategy to get out of depression or figure out a way to get to the enemy. What's the first thing he did? He called on the Lord. He called on the Lord. He went to God in prayer and waited for God to speak. And he listened in faith. Verse Psalms 27, 14, he says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Be strong, be strong, be strong, and let your heart take courage, strength, courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. I'm learning what this even means. I've spent probably this whole semester just diving into this one verse, what it means to wait on the Lord, to abide in Christ and find your source and your sustenance in Him, to not be in a hurried pace in life and to come to a secret place of prayer, a daily prayer life. You know, even studies will say that people who pray or go through depression a lot easier than people who don't. Or meditation. We don't meditate on things like the world does, but we can meditate on Scripture. We can meditate on the presence of God, reflect on what He is in. And David had that secret place with God. He could go to that secret prayer closet that the seat is always warm, and he's already ready. The candle's already lit, and he can find that place in a moment of crisis because he spent hours there in the desert, hours there in the caves, hours there in the mountains, cultivating a life of prayer to where in a moment of crisis that strength is made readily available and God can speak so easily. Sometimes we, we don't know how God speaks. We never hear His voice because we haven't cultivated a life where we're learning to listen to God's voice. 
It's like in Spanish class. You take Spanish 1, you're going to learn, you know, I want to go to Taco Bell or, you know, where's the bathroom kind of thing. But the longer you're spending time listening to this new language, the more you're going to understand when it speaks, the more you're going to be able to cultivate it. And the same is true with prayer. You want to know how God speaks? Get in the prayer closet. Be in His presence. Spend time in His Word. David learned to wait on the Lord. Is He your God? Is He your strength? Have you occupied your mind with all that He's done, and have you spent time waiting on Him? And lastly is, He had faith to overcome. You see, David uh, went, and when he went, his strength returned. Now think about this. He's just run 80 miles to get home. And now he's got to go another 13 across a brook, and he's got to fight another battle. He's already emotionally taxed. People are hating him. He wants to give up. He's not even sure if he's going to catch them because you're catching up to another group that's already traveling ahead of you. And David, though, he did not sit there after prayer and wait till some goosebumps came and he felt the strength come into his feet to run. What did he do? He heard the voice of God. He listened. He believed it. And he started walking. He started running. He didn't wait for some experience to happen, but like that moment when Peter steps out of the boat, Jesus says, come, you've got to take a step of faith, and then the ability happens. See, it was not David's strength, it was David's faith in the Word of God. God said, pursue, and you will surely overtake them. But God, I don't feel any different. Nothing's happened yet. You haven't started pursuing yet. You haven't started walking by faith yet. You haven't started testing out the waters yet. Begin to put this Christian life where the rubber meets the road. Begin to step out of faith out of your comfort zone and see if God's going to show up and catch you. Just begin to see if that strength's going to come as you just keep on keeping on and keep on moving forward and take another day one step at a time. Say, well, I don't feel any different today. That's okay. Take another step. Keep walking forward. Don't give up. Don't quit. Maybe this is going to be the day. If you just keep on running, God's going to come through. Do you believe the Word of God? David said, yes. So my word for David is run. David, run. David, run. He could have got to that brook and said, but God, I've just been running. The brook is flooded. Nobody can cross this. Now I've got to swim. What is this, a marathon here? This is like one of those Ironman challenges. I've just ran, and I've got to swim, and then we're going to have to bicycle later or something. Like, what's going on here? David, swim, David. Pursue, David. You will surely overtake them. Then he goes to the brook. Finally got through the brook, God, but there's two. I can't find them. Keep pursuing David. I've got a person who's going to lead you to them. God, we finally got to them. And there's too many of them. Why don't I just quit? David, fight David. You will surely overtake them. You see how faith works? Faith without works is dead. You've got to keep on walking. You've got to keep on obeying God's voice. David had to start moving forward. Maybe that's a word for you today. Take a small step forward. Set a goal. Try something new in your life. Get a better routine. Do something that's selfless. Do something for some, You find yourself in a down, down deep place. You know what the best thing to do is? Go serve somebody. Go get involved in some community action. Go, go do something selfless. Make a cake for somebody. Go mow somebody's yard. Do something for somebody else. Because that's a step of faith that says, this isn't about you. God's going to give me something to get through this, that's not coming from me. It's going to come from Him. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. He's talking about the armor. What position are you with God when He's the armor? Where are you? You are in the armor. He says, put on Jesus. Put on this armor and you will be in the Lord. 
David said, I found strength in the Lord. Jesus said, abide in the vine, and I will abide in you. You see how that works? You have got to position yourself into God, and you will find strength in God. It's not going to be out here. God, help me, help me, help me. Do for me, do for me. Fix this, fix this. But David said, God, I can't do this in my own strength. So I come over here, and I go to prayer, and I go to your word, and I go to faith. I find myself in you, and you speak to my heart. And God, I will run wherever you say run. I'll do whatever you say do. And it's not going to be my strength now. It's not going to be so-and-so strength. It's not going to be because I heard Pastor Heath's you know, message or sanctuary's worship. It's because I found strength by seizing hold of someone who was much stronger than me. You see, when David did that, what did he do? He not only rescued his family, he rescued his friend's family. What you're doing in your life may not just rescue you and your family, it may rescue somebody else. What you get through in life may not just be for you, it might be for somebody else. You might see somebody else's deliverance because you had faith enough to not give up, not quit. Not only did he get out his family, his friend's family, out of the enemy's territory, he rescued a slave that had no business being in the desert. He found somebody the enemy had meant to kill, and he saved him. I wonder if that guy stuck with David for the rest of his life and just began a, a servant in the master's house. He rescued that slave. Not only did he rescue his family, rescue somebody else's family, rescue a person captive by the enemy, he destroyed and plundered all the enemy enough to give captivity captive. He, he took all that plunder and provided resources for the whole region because of what he had to do. God, I found strength in you. What can you do? You know that's the definition for revival is when you renew the life that God had in you, you save souls, and you deliver people who were held captive by the enemy. That was a personal revival moment. David went from down and depressed to having personal revival. Strength, it wasn't my strength. Deliverance that I had no plan to deliver. Man, I saw plunder I hadn't even thought about. God wants to do something in your life and in your family, in this community. Maybe that isn't even on your radar because we're just thinking, God, I just can't do this. It's not even on your plan to see other people saved, healed, delivered, set free. You say, God, I'm just trying to get through Friday. I just need to get through Friday. God's saying, I'm not talking about, I'm not just looking for Friday. I'm looking for revival in your family, in this community, plundering what the enemy meant for evil and taking it for good. David, maybe there's something that happened in your life where the enemy has just wiped you clean and you feel like you ain't got nothing left. But if you just have strength in the Lord and you take a step of faith when you've got no strength left, then I'll supply that and you'll see that I can do wonders that nobody else can do. What could God do from a weak people? Paul says, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I believe God wants to do greater things than you can even imagine as you take a step of faith to run after God and find strength in the Lord. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? You see, Charles Spurgeon, I begin with him, I'll end with him. He says, I'm the subject of depression so fearful but I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of the wretchedness as I go to. But I always, I always get back again by this. I know, I know that I trust Christ. I have no reliance but in Him, and if He fails, I shall fail with Him. But if He does not, I shall not. And because He lives... I shall live also. And so I spring to my legs again. I fight this depression with the Spirit, and I get the victory through it. And you can do this too, for you must, because there is no other way of escaping it. 
You have got to find that spring in your step. You've got to find that hope. You've got to remember. You've got to seize hold of a strength that's supernatural strength that's promised to every believer. And my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases in power. He gives strength to the weary. Maybe you're weary here today. Maybe you need supernatural strength today. Maybe you need to take a step of faith. Maybe you need to abide in the Lord and hear what he's saying to you. Maybe you need to remember all that he's done for you. You may be in any spectrum across this way. But you're first off here today. You say, Pastor Heath, I need to be in the Lord. Is God your God? Maybe you know that there is a Jesus and you believe a Jesus. You believe there is a God. Even the demons believe it. But he's not their God. He's not their Lord. David said, my Lord, my God. Is he your Lord? Is he your God?